This is The Drive Podcast with Josh Graham. I love it. I need it. Couldn't live without it. You can hear The Drive weekday afternoons, 3 till 6 on WSJS. We've made it to a Friday drive. It is WSJS, News Talk Sports for the Triad, where we've just about made it to an incredible Saturday doubleheader in ACC basketball. Duke Wake Forest right here in the Triad, a game you could listen to on WSJS tomorrow with on-air coverage beginning at 1 o'clock. Then North Carolina, Virginia from John Paul Jones Arena in Charlottesville, a game that we'll get to shortly because we must start with Deke's. Devils. For the first time in seven years, Wake Forest has sold out a basketball game at Joel Coliseum, which feels fitting because if the Deeks should beat Duke tomorrow, it would be the first win that Wake Forest had all year long that you know for sure, guaranteed, quad one win on Selection Sunday, all this talk about quads and such, it's Duke. It's a win that in all likelihood punches their tickets to the NCAA tournament for the first time in, checks notes, seven years. The conditions are perfect for Wake Forest to win this game, and let's acknowledge the obvious up front. It's their first sellout in seven years, as we just mentioned. It's the biggest crowd Steve Forbes has had in his tenure at Wake. And they're bringing back the Tie-Dye Nation t-shirts. WD and I have a couple of them on right now the different tie-dye shirts that will be on seats tomorrow at the Joel, courtesy of Mitch Shaw, courtesy of Wake Forest. It's going to be a madhouse. And how good has Wake Forest been at home? They won their seven ACC home games so far by an average margin of victory of 19 points per win. 14-0 at home already. 14-0 on the season at home. These seven ACC home games by an average of 19 points per win. They've shot 50% from three their last five home games. Also, Wake should have beaten Duke last week at Cameron. The only reason they didn't was because Efton Reed got in foul trouble. If he plays more than 15 minutes, both Kyle Filipowski and Mark Mitchell do not go for 20-plus apiece like they did. Duke still only won the game by seven despite the fact Efton only played 15 minutes. Picking up two fouls in the first four minutes, three in the first half. And this isn't a criticism of the officials. The calls were correct, but he's not. Him being in foul trouble really hurt Wake in the last two games he hasn't been in foul trouble. It's the second matchup between Wake and Duke in a short period of time, which means Wake knows exactly what they're getting into. They're watching the tape again. They're 2-1 and one in second matchups this year in repeat matchups. The one loss was at Virginia last week, a game in which they only lost by two and had a shot there right at the end. The guy who missed that shot, Cam Hildreth, was perhaps the best player on the court in a 33-point home win against Pitt earlier in the week, and here he was on the benefits of getting to watch the tape and facing Duke a second time. 
Yeah, I think the biggest thing is obviously just coming in and watching film on the last game. Um, I thought we played pretty well at their place, to be honest. <clears throat> I think it was just a stretch down um, towards the end of the game that we were doing something in the pick and roll, and we spoke about it after the game, um, and we're going to change it. Um, but I feel like obviously they're a great team, they're coming in, but um, we're definitely ready to get them back. I think we're going to just continue to play the right way, continue to share the ball, continue to find each other, and, and things should, should go well. This season has built up to this point for Wake. They don't have that guaranteed quad one game, this quad one win, this would be it. If they win, they should be in the tournament. If they win. Now, barring them collapse in the last four games, like if they go one and three down the stretch, then it can undo the luster that comes along with beating Duke at home, but even two and two down the stretch after winning this game, that should be good given how good the analytics are surrounding Wake. Wake Forest needs to win. If they lose, then they probably have to win out, get the quad ones against Clemson and at Virginia Tech, and probably do some damage in D.C. just to have a shot. But this is their opportunity, and I don't think they're going to miss it. Wake Forest wins probably by about as much as they did or as Duke did against Wake last week. Give me Wake by eight or nine points. Conditions are perfect for them tomorrow. Just perfect. Will Dalton is the executive producer of this show. Taking your calls at 336-777-1600. However, or wherever you are listening or watching, we appreciate that. WD really do like your tie-dye t-shirt. I like it too. I like the OG logo here. The OG Deke yeah. that used to be on the court. A huge, massive Deacon head. Yeah. I've got the walking Deke tie-dye shirt on. Let's get to the other gigantic game this weekend. Given North Carolina's recent history with Virginia and the reputation of Tony Bennett and playing at JPJ, it is understandable why some would be worried about the Tar Heels tomorrow. Don't include me in that group, though. Don't overthink this game. North Carolina is going to win simply because North Carolina is the better team, and it's clear. Look at Virginia's schedule. This is the first time this year Virginia has played a team that is clearly better than they are. Duke and Carolina are both tied for first place in the ACC in front of Virginia, and Virginia has played neither the Blue Devils nor the Tar Heels. They've beaten Texas A&M. They've played Florida. Both those teams are pretty good. They both might be in the NCAA tournament. But are they better than Virginia is? Well, that's up for debate. Not really up for debate, Virginia, whether they're better than Duke or Carolina. This is the best Carolina basketball team we've seen in five years. Being discussed as a one seed, a two seed, we haven't seen that in five years. Virginia has been blown out in games. Wake beat them by 19. Lost to Notre Dame by 23. Blasted by Virginia Tech on Sunday by 34. This is not a great Virginia team. Now, Tony Bennett is a great coach. They've got some good players. They're going to make the tournament. But this is not a great Virginia team. This is a very good potentially great Carolina team. 
JPJ, though, gets billed as being the most difficult place to play in college basketball, one of them, because they had that long home winning streak. It is not the house of horrors that some are saying that it is. Pitt went in there last week and beat them by double digits. The game after that, Wake nearly won the game, losing by two, razor thin close. In addition to not playing Duke or Carolina this year, they haven't played Clemson at JPJ. So when you start to examine, okay, they had that long winning streak. Who did they actually beat at home? They are not teams as good as North Carolina is. They are coming off getting beaten again by a worse margin than Tony Bennett's ever been beaten by since taking the job at Virginia 15 years ago. 34 points. And the last time they were at home last weekend, Tony Bennett gets a T, something that hasn't happened since 2010. Don't overthink this. North Carolina is going to win. North Carolina is the better team. And the difference is going to be the best player in the conference, R.J. Davis. Armando Baycott never has good games against Virginia. Armando. I think seven of the last eight, he scored well beneath his average. Last year, he was horrific against Virginia. There might have been one game he scored in the 20s, but he's been at Carolina for a million years. You'd hope one of those times he might get the Cavaliers. Odds are it's not going to be Baycott in the post. But R.J. Davis, he has averaged 19 points in three games against Virginia in the last year. So last year they played three times, including the end of North Carolina season because they didn't accept the NIT bid. In Greensboro, they lost to Virginia. R.J. Davis averaging 19 points in the three Virginia games last year. You might think, well, Josh, isn't he going to be defended by Reese Beekman? Maybe. But... It seems to me a little bit too much of an ask to ask R.J. Davis, or pardon me, Reese Beekman, to be the leading assist man in the ACC, which he is, the leading scorer on Virginia, which he is, and also Devin, the best player on the other team, which he might need to do. It just seems like too much of an ask. Hey, go score. Hey, be the assist guy and setting up and facilitating the offense. And oh yeah, chase R.J. Davis around for two hours. Seems like a bit much. We, I think Reese Davis or Reese Beekman is a first-team All-ACC guy. But he's not going to be that tomorrow. R.J. Davis will be the difference. North Carolina beats the Virginia Cavaliers. Josh Graham loves to talk sports. He also loves to take herbal body baths to keep his skin supple and youthful-looking. You're on The Drive with Josh Graham. Wake Forest Director of Athletics, John Curry. In just a bit before we get to him, a reminder of a couple registration dates. YMCA campaigns open for summer 2024 registration. All you have to do is go online to org to register. Spring sports registration open now until March the 10th. That's for flag football, soccer, t-ball, baseball, volleyball, basketball academy, rookie soccer. That's for ages three to four years old. 
You could register now at ymcanwnc.org. It is a massive weekend for Wake Forest athletics. WD and I are wearing t-shirts that you're going to see 10,000 people wearing tomorrow. The Walking Deke tie-dye shirt I've got on right now. WD's got the old school 90s Deacon head on his shirt. Tie-dye Nation going to be back, a sellout at Wake Forest. But before we get to the basketball, John Curry joining us now, Wake Forest Director of Athletics. Perhaps you could be a correspondent of sorts for us. Do you have any idea what's happening right now with Wake Baseball being back in action against Dayton? Josh, I'm actually sitting here in David Couch ballpark with my left hand on David Couch's right shoulder. And uh, the Deacons are up 4-2. to two. We've got runners on first and third in the bottom of the fourth. And um, uh, you've got a great crowd out here. We've got Deacon Brew, all of Winston-Salem is here. Yeah. Uh, watch out Stan Cotton and Larry Sorensen, John Curry coming for your play-by-play job right there. Four to two Deacons at the moment at the couch. Personally for you, as an alum who remembers what this building, Joel Coliseum, looks like when it's really hopping, for it to be a sellout for the first time in your tenure as the director of athletics and the first time for the coach that you hired to build this program back up, Steve Forbes, what do you imagine you're going to feel when you see all the tie-dye shirts in that building packed to the brim? Well, first of all, it's really a credit to all of our fans and Coach Forbes and his staff and our student-athletes that were in this position. But as you know and as you, you and I have talked about, um, this is uh, this is big for Tobacco Road basketball country in the winter. Of course, here I am. We've got the number one baseball team uh, in America right across the street. So a lot going on. Um, but it's um, – we went through a, a long period of time where it was really hard to, to um, have a reason for people to be excited and come out. And now people are excited and they're coming out um, with, uh, with great um, support and passion. And it's been really neat to me to just run into people around town, uh, regardless if they have a long time affiliation as Wake fans or if they're new to the community and they just experienced it for the first time. Um, just seeing people realize how much fun it is. Uh, to cheer for the hometown team um, uh, in the ACC and the Big Four with the Deacons. I'd like to think you have more access to information than we do waiting for the latest bracketology update to appear, especially as the selection committee got together last week and we learned of the top 16 seeds from the committee. How do you feel about Wake's footing with two weeks left to go in the season as they seem to appear on the bubble? Well, you know, you can drive yourself nuts if you worry about that stuff every single day. And without sounding cliche, you know, we just got to worry about what we can control. What we can control is is each particular game and our preparation and execution. And I think our coaching staff has, has done a really great job of that. Uh, if you look at the uh, players we have, um, the student-athletes we have, and I, I would add they are true student-athletes. This team had a 3.2 GPA in the fall. Um and uh, our stars are among those high GPA uh, uh, student athletes, and so this group's this group's really really worked at it. Um, you know the the bracketology and all that kind of stuff. You just kind of have to take it for what it is, which is entertainment that gets people to watch the television set and talk about it a lot. Um, I'm confident that given our league, uh, I think we saw the other night. You know Pittsburgh's a really really good team, 
Um, you know, uh, Henson is a relentless player. Cam Hildreth had to play his tail off to, to, to hold him down. Um, you know, there's not too many teams in the country that would say that they would want to play Pittsburgh or NC State or Virginia Tech or Wake Forest or any of the teams that are in the middle, middle of our conference right now uh, in their opening round game in the NCAA tournament. So uh, I, I believe all that stuff will work out the right way. John Curry is with us here. One of the things I really like about John Curry is he gets into a lot of the hot button topics in their newsletter from the quad that we see quite often appear, whether it was the Florida State stuff a few months ago or certainly what's happened in the last few weeks. Two weeks ago, us learning about beyond D.C. next month that five straight NCAA tournaments, or pardon me, ACC tournaments, are going to be in the state of North Carolina, including a couple in Greensboro. And then the winter meetings uh, uh, presided last week, and you guys came up with a couple of things, uh, including the 15 out of 18 format for the ACC tournament next year in Charlotte with the additions of SMU, Stanford, and Cal, and the decision to stay at 20 league games. Steve Forbes has voiced his concerns about these things publicly on this show on Monday and on the ACC uh, coaches call. How pleased were you with where things arrived being somebody that was in the room last week? Well, the decision about the ACC tournament format uh, for next year um, in Charlotte um, is, is really the format for next year. So we'll continue to assess it. Uh, but if you think about it, um, I was really excited. If you look at the, obviously we're, we'll be excited to be in Washington, D.C. in a few weeks. And Wake Forest has a campus and a presence in Washington, D.C. under the direction of Jennifer Richwine, who's a classmate of mine in 1993. But then you look at in these coming years in Charlotte, you know, Wake Forest already is in Charlotte. Uh, we've been there for a long time with the school of business. I've got this incredible partnership uh, with Atrium and Advocate uh, and the Pearl, and we're going we're gonna to have that Wake Forest logo high above the Queen City in time for these tournaments. So those will be hometown tournaments for us in Charlotte, um, just like it's hometown when we play in the Joel here. Any chance we see John Curry wearing tie-dye tomorrow? Uh, that's a great question. But we got to make we have ten thousand shirts and fourteen thousand people coming. So if yeah. I'm not wearing tie dye, it's because um, I have deferred my shirt to someone else um, who who actually bought a ticket, unlike me. Pom poms also available too. I was at the Joel earlier today where we got a couple of shirts to wear for the video stream. Pom poms available. It really is going to be something. Any more information you need to pass along to people? I'm going to put my old WSJS hat on. Just encourage people to come early. Obviously, we got the base, the basketball game at, at two o'clock. Um, it will be a full house, as you've mentioned, full capacity. Um, you know, full ESPN and all that kind of stuff. And then later in the day at four o'clock, we got a baseball game, and you got Chase Burns pitching uh, tomorrow afternoon, um, who had an incredible start uh, last week. Um, so we're going to roll right from that basketball game into the baseball game and the Carolina Thunderbirds or the Winston Thunderbirds play tomorrow night at the Annex. So. If you think about Winston-Salem and all that happens in this quadrant around Couch Ballpark and Annex and the fairgrounds and the Coliseum, this is a, this is a big-time place with lots of activity. So uh, get here early, enjoy yourself, and uh, let's get some big wins. Let's end where we started. 4-2 to two was where we had it last. What inning are we in? Is it still 4-2? to two? 
uh, I stepped into a different room. It's just a little quiet, but I'm oh. going to step back out there, Josh, real quick. Okay. I'm going to give you an update. Got to get a live update. All Wait right. for us. Yeah. Get, get a live update. I'm oh. not sure if you actually, if this is licensed or not. But, oh. Mm-hmm. Uh, looks like we're up to nine to two Deacons. Whoa! Nine to two Deacons. We got a seven run inning going. Uh, there's a pitching change by the Dayton Flyers. We got Ballestero, our catcher, who's batting 400, coming up to bat with the bases loaded. Whoa. And it looks like we got two outs. So this is a team that we're playing. Dayton that beat Vanderbilt at Vanderbilt earlier this week. So if you're thinking about what you're going to do the rest of the weekend, four o'clock after the men's basketball game, four o'clock tomorrow, Chase Burns. And then Sunday at 1 o'clock uh, with uh, Michael Massey, another one of our preseason stars. Um, uh, it's, it's a great time to see baseball in Twin Cities. You don't strike me as a superstitious guy, but I do love the idea if you were getting back into a quiet room where you can't see the field because of the seven-run inning. That would make me smile. <laughs> yeah, I got to go back to that room. Exactly right. <laughs> John, exactly we'll, we'll, right. Let you, we'll let you do that. Uh, we'll see you out at the Joel tomorrow. Uh, congratulations on the sellout, and thanks so much for making time for us today. Hey, Josh, I got I to gotta mention one more thing. Please do. He tried to stay under the radar, but I did not realize that I was also, between David Couch mm-hmm. and Billy Merrifield, mm-hmm. is none other than our quarterback, Riley Skinner. Yes. So, of all, I mean, you should come to the ballpark right now to meet Riley Skinner. That's what we need. Get the lefty involved. All right, R- Riley, to R- from Riley Skinner to John Curry to David Couch, we uh, appreciate the time and uh, go Deeks out at the ballpark today. Thanks so much. All right, Josh, go Deeks. It's the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. Love the feeling of a Rhinestone Cowboy Friday. However, and wherever you are listening or watching, we appreciate that. Plenty of ACC basketball to get to, but putting a pin in that for a second and changing gears, there was a massive bombshell in the NFL today. The announcement of the new salary cap for 2024 landed at $255 million per team. The salary cap up $30 million from where it was a year ago. More than $30 million, actually. This isn't just a bombshell. This is a game changer. To put that in perspective, how much $255 million is in terms of cap space... That is $70 million more than where it was just four years ago. It is twice as much as where we were 10 years ago. Maybe you can call this the Taylor Swift effect or just another example of how the NFL is king and while some sports are tailoring back in terms of resources and viability and viewership and ratings and attendance, the NFL is just thriving. It's growing. It's taking over. This is going to lead to guys getting overpaid in a major way, namely the free agents. I'm looking at you, T. Higgins. I'm looking at you, Michael Pittman Jr. I'm looking at you, Hollywood Brown, Calvin Ridley, maybe. Those are all receivers, and the reason I'm thinking about receivers, that's 
the primary need that the Carolina Panthers have going into free agency. Maybe a lot of money being thrown Mike Evans' way. Potential free agents that are, as of right now, on your roster might be less willing to sign an extension just because they want to see what might happen if they test the waters of free agency now that the books are even more juiced, there's more cap space for teams to throw around. I think about a guy like Frankie Louvu with the Panthers. Frankie Louvu, pretty darn good with Carolina. Does he sign an extension now, or does he look to enter free agency? It's not like Carolina is going to hit him with a franchise tag. They'll do that with Brian Burns to buy themselves some time. They're not going to let that guy walk. Frankie Louvu might try to test that market a little bit more. And speaking of the Panthers, there is no excuse now to not take care of this defensive core. Get Brian Burns done. He's tweeting out a couple of days ago, quote, keep pounding, blue and black heart emojis. That tells me he wants to be a Panther, but he also wants to be paid what he's worth. Get that one figured out. If that requires you using the franchise tag like the last time you did for Taylor Moten three years ago to buy you more time to hammer out that long-term agreement before the next season, that's fine with me. Just get that done. Pay Frankie Louvu. Extend Derek Brown. Let's not play this game again where the Panthers are waiting to sign Brian Burns. Some of that Burns and his agent's fault. They're waiting for the Nick Bosa deal to get done to reset the market to try and make more money. And Nick Bosa didn't sign until the week of the season starting. So Carolina was kind of set back in terms of their timeline of when they ideally would have liked to get Burns done. Apparently, the Panthers offered him $27 million per year over five years before the season started, and that wasn't enough. But presumably, that wasn't enough because Bosa had not reset the market before that offer was extended his way. Now that the season's over, figure that out. Don't get to that place with Derek Brown. Sign Frankie Louvu. Not all the teams are going to spend up to the cap, but there's no excuse for Carolina not to. You've got Mr. $20 billion, Mr. Concerts, David Tepper, that guy. You got him who seems willing to throw some coins around. And when you look at the free agents that Carolina has are guys that potentially could become free agents from the Panthers roster, there are two guys you absolutely positively need to sign in Burns and Luvu. And then you're not heartbroken if you lose any of those next guys. That isn't to say that you don't sign any of the remaining 19 free agents that you have. But are you heartbroken if you don't lose Jeremy Chin? Or if you don't sign him, I should say. Are you heartbroken if you lose... Amir Smith-Marset or DJ Chark? Probably not. There's a drop-off once you get past those top two free agents. You brought Ajiro Evero back, who, despite all the problems on offense, steered this team to being a top-five defense in the NFL. Make sure he's well-equipped with the guys you already have in the building. Because believe me, Carolina, they have other problems to figure out. Let's not create more because you don't re-sign the players who have earned paydays. To quote Teddy KGB and Rounders 25 years ago, pay that man his money. 
And this new salary cap is a bombshell and a game changer that will allow for a lot of teams to pay their men their money. To Wake Forest and Duke. Three things for Wake Forest to beat Duke tomorrow. If these three things happen, without a shadow of a doubt, we are talking about a Wake Forest win in this game. Number one, you know where I'm headed here probably. Efton Reed stays out of foul trouble. What does that look like? Can you play 25 minutes? Can you play 30 minutes? That'd be amazing if you get to 30. 15's not enough. When he played 15 minutes because of dumb fouls that he took, two in the first four minutes at Cameron, three in the first half, a fourth in early in the second half that were all correct calls. The fifth one was the only one that wasn't, but at that point, Duke had already taken control of the game. He's got to be smarter. And he was smarter against Virginia. He was not really in foul trouble against Pitt, but then again, smaller, a lot fewer possessions in the game at JPJ than we're going to see tomorrow. And the game was a blowout against Pittsburgh, so how much stock can you really put into that? Stay out of foul trouble. That's the biggest deal for Wake Forest tomorrow. The biggest thing to follow is how the game's officiated, who the officials are, what type of foul trouble does he get into, if any at all. Secondly, Wake must shoot 40% from three. I'm setting this number pretty low, I think. They shot 23% in Cameron. They are 50% from three in their last five home games combined. I think 40% is a realistic figure. 40% from three. That's what we're looking for. The last game, Wake Forest, for the first time in program history. A lot of games have been played in Wake program history. 60% from the field, 50% from three, 90% from the foul line. So 40% from three. That's what we're looking for from a team that is top 20 in the country in terms of three-point shooting. And the last piece is this. You need your best player to be your best player. Hunter Salas is an all-ACC player. He's a former five-star McDonald's All-American. His average is right at 18 points a game. Wake Forest in ACC games is 6-2 in games he exceeds his average of 18 points. When he doesn't, Wake Forest is 2-4 in those games. When, when the game is right there to be had, can your best player be your best player, be the best player on the court? Can Hunter Salas do that? He had 22 at Cameron last week. Can he do that again? Can he replicate that? I think he can. Like, this is going to be a close game. You look at what the nerds are saying. Ken Palm has Duke winning it by one. Vegas, they know a thing or two. They have Wake Forest favored by a point and a half. Send me that cash out, family. That's where it stands. So, anybody's game, what's going to decide it? The best guy on the court. And I think, this might be a hot take, I think Hunter Salas is the best player in this game. Duke is a more talented team. Duke is a better team. On a neutral court, I'm taking Duke. 
They have lottery picks on this team. Wake doesn't have that. But I will take Hunter Salas over Kyle Filipowski, Jared McCain, or Jeremy Roach, singularly. Head-to-head. One-on-one. I think Hunter Salas is the best player in this game. So those are three things that need to happen for Wake to beat Duke tomorrow. Efton Reed to stay out of foul trouble. What does that look like? Plays at least 25 minutes. Wake shooting 40% from three. Hunter Salas exceeding 18 points, his scoring average on the season. And I think Wake does that, and I think Wake wins this game. You're on the drive with Josh Graham, WSJS. I thought Hayes Permar was entering the show like Mar- Marshall Mathers or B-Rabbit with the hoodie on while WDNI set for Wake Forest Duke tomorrow. We're given the two sets of t-shirts that are being handed out, Tie-Dye Nation t-shirts, courtesy of Mitt Shaw and company for Wake Forest Duke. Which of the two do you like more, Permar? I've got the walking deke on, WD's. Got the old school, lighter, white deacon head that looks like the 90s decal that was on the court. Yeah, I kind of like the color of yours, but I like the old school decal of his. So um, it's a split, but when in doubt, go against Josh Graham. That's right. Thank you, Emperor. Seven years it's been since the Joel has been sold out. This game is sold out. Wake Forest looking to make the tournament for the first time since 2017. Do we count that tournament appearance? Do you count if you lose in the first four? Like, is that an NCAA tournament appearance? Yes, 100%. Because uh, I get that the teams that are in the first four may not have made the tournament when it was 64, but, like, nah, if 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 you're there, you have to play. Because also uh, teams that win their conference tournament play in the first four. Which is the dumbest thing ever. Well, yeah, I tend to agree, but then I've heard – I feel like I've heard Lavelle Moten say – it gives one of those teams a chance to get a win and make some of that money. Like you still get the same amount of money for winning a tournament game as you would if a uh, first four game. I think you get the same amount of money for your school huh. as you would a first round game or, or at least some amount of money. So, um, uh, so yeah. Um, but let me, I, I don't, I, the walking D I feel like they're using that too much. I need the old school. They're trying to get away from my, my man with the, uh, the little tufts of hair on the side. They're trying to make him look like a younger man now. And I Get rid like of it. the deacon. Yeah, you. they're trying to do more of the walking deke. You think maybe use the walking deke the way that NC State uses the slobbering wolf? Like NC State kind of uses it intermittently, but not too much, so it stays cool? I don't know. It feels, it feels like they're trying to like, again, the, 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 he's walking so swiftly and he's a lot more like slender. I feel like they're just trying to like reimagine who the deacon actually is. I deacon a, Erasure. You're saying this is Deacon Erasure a, in 2024. I thought he was a bit of a portly guy. I thought he had some girth to him. You know, just he had that big chin that made you just think that the rest of him was, you know, like this guy looks like, uh, you know, he'd be good at cross country, whereas like the old school deke looked more like a like uh, hit you in the mouth. Type Got a guy. butt chin that stapled to a uh, bow tie. So. 
Uh, do you have a favorite Wake Forest basketball memory, either at the Joel or surrounding a team? I I remember a four overtime game versus NC State. I've I've been to some games at the Joel, but uh, but I remember seeing Wake more play on the um, you know on the road against UNC Duke or uh, or, or NC State. Um, I remember a four overtime game, and I feel like maybe against Wake one time I also saw uh, a missed free throw caught alley oop to like to win the game. Like, like, you know, one second left in the game and you're down one or, or tied and you intentionally miss a free throw that bounces off to the right just to, to, to your teammate to tap it in. I feel like I saw a state weight game that, uh, that lost, uh, that went down in that way. Mm. Now let's get to skips or plays, which is Duke Wake Forest themed. And we'll tell you how in a second. Skips or plays with Hayes now. Hayes Permar is somewhat of a renaissance man, an expert in the finer things, but he hangs his hat on music. Loves his God, and he's no friend of Satan. He was like, oh, six, getting busy with the sticks, been watching Big Mike and Lil Trick. I just need a Zion and someone he can dunk on. Today, Hayes will decide if this music is smash or trash, glows or blows. It's time for Skips or Plays with Hayes. R.I.P. Smash Mouth. <laughs> I was wondering um, if you were going to say it or hey, should you I? Know, people, I, my face is a little fatter now, but people have told me sometimes I look like Eminem. Do you guys see it like for the side profile <laughs> sometimes? A little bit. You have a big nose, though. What is uh, the theme that we're working in here today, WD? So because Wake Duke is sold out, we're going to do songs about selling out. It could it could have sellout in the title. It could be a band that sold out. Let's just explore this together. We're gonna start out easy with a song called Sellout by Real Big Fish. <laughs> Sounds like what people would listen to with tie-dye shirts on. Yeah. Definitely. You know what? I was uh, I was prepared to skip this, but it's got me bopping a little bit. I'm gonna yeah. give this a play. <laughs> this Just is really good. Yeah. Right, the goofy look on Josh Graham's face that wants me to skip this. Uh, I'm gonna play that. Hey, Spermar. I was telling WD in the '90s, like the way that the worst thing you could be called in 2024 is a racist. Being called a sellout in the 90s, like there were movies made about this, reality bites, kicking and screaming. Like the last thing you wanted to be was a sellout. I don't think we do that anymore. I don't think we call people sellouts. A uh, point of order, it was still bad to be racist in the 90s. That's true. That's <laughs> just, true. Just wanted to make, make, gotta, make gotta clear that up. Where's the Gary Hahn where drop to get us out of Gary. an awkward <laughs> situation? <laughs> just potentially, you know, just to help us out in case we need it. Wow, this Gary's is missing an action. Yeah, just missing an action. Oh, yes. I think I found it. Okay. Let's go to the sidelines, Tony Haynes. What's, what's the next one? So the next one is a more positive version of a sellout. It's one of the best-selling singles of all time. Oh. Hey Jude. Let's go with that, if my mouse would work. This is the good Beatles that you should have played last I week. I know, I know. I'm trying to make up for it. <laughs> Last week you played whatever that terrible Beatles songs on Valentine's Day was. 
It was a, it was a Paul uh, McCartney song. Uh, Wings. Yeah. Wow, he's putting the pressure on Permar. <laughs> no, this is obviously a play, and I'm trying to remember. Who is it? Jackie Wilson? Who is it that has the incredible cover of Hey Jude where Greg Allman plays the guitar solo? I don't know, but I would love to hear this. Uh, no, you, you need to go find it. Hold on. Can't think of it right now. Where is Wilson Pickett? Wilson Pickett. Ooh, Wilson Pickett did a Hey Jude yeah. cover? And Greg Allman plays the guitar. You'll, I mean, I'm you'll sold. see it. Like, he's good, but then he just starts going off at the end. Hey, Jude, 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 Jude. And he starts screaming, Yeah! Yeah! That's pretty good. Fantastic. All right, that's a play. Hey, Spermar. WD doing a really good job with this so far. Well, I did have to pick myself up after last week, so. What could go wrong on the third one? So, the last one is actually of not good sellout like what we just talked about. In doing my homework for this, I learned apparently Metallica back in the 90s was considered sellouts. Now, I didn't have the time to find out why, but apparently they were. Maybe Permar could tell us. Enter Sandman. Who do you who do you think of when you think of sellouts musically? I don't know why my brain immediately goes to Bob Dylan, like when he played electric guitar and was singing on key and people got mad. So then he went back to the same folk like way he would sing afterward. Selling out is always it's one of those like delicate things, right? Like the I'm not saying Bob Dylan's a sellout, by the way. I'm saying that people accused him of being a sellout for simply introducing electric guitar. I mean, the only person, a lot of people get a, accused of selling out. Sometimes it's like a fan thing. Of, By the way, someone says it's uh, Dwayne Allman, not Greg Allman. That was uh, the uh, Allman brother singing with Wilson Pickett. Pardon me. Uh, both Bless confusing you. and confusing my Allman brothers. But, you know, selling out is a term that like fans like to use for bands just when they make choices that maybe fans don't like. Anytime bands are making music that they actually like, I don't know. Yes, there, there are probably some people that have sold out, but I think that we're, I don't necessarily believe fans when they, I, I wouldn't let fans be the ones who judge who sell out. The artists themselves know whether or not they're selling out. I'm not saying it doesn't happen. I'm just saying maybe we're a little quick to judge artists. And like, what is selling out? I mean, I mean it, it, to frame this in like sports terms, you know, you, you talk about athletes who approach professional sports for all different reasons, right? For making a living, uh, you know, some of them aspire to win championships or live in places they want to live or whatever. And I think in some way it's the same with art and art music of like, a lot of people have a lot of different goals with what they're doing. And we don't necessarily, as fans, the artists or the athletes who are making the cool thing happen don't necessarily share the exact goals that we always want them to have for us, and they don't have any obligation to us. We're just the fans. So selling out, uh, you know, that, that's almost like criticizing athletes for holding out, which used to be a more popular thing, and now it's kind of spun something more like, well, wait a minute, he's negotiating with a billionaire over a million dollars. Like, who's 
who's really being ridiculous here. So I think we need to sometimes frame selling out in the same way for artists. I take it inner Sandman's a play. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that was just saying. What? There you go. Hey, Spermar. It's good to see you, buddy. We'll talk to you next week, hooded or not. Thanks for your patience. Uh, yeah, we don't we don't keep the heat on in here if it's just me in here. It's uh, you know small businesses, baby. Got to save those dollars.